Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You could make up a word that doesn't currently exist to describe Aaron Donald and what he does on a field. What would you have that word be? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Well, I don't know what's a word that doesn't exist. It's more of an expression. I have no idea. It's unbelievable, though. But how about that? That's an answer for you, huh? We had that yesterday on PFTPM. And my advice for Sean McVay was very simple. If you need somebody to come up with a word that has never been uttered before, talk to Chris Sims because you do it all the time. (laughs) That's right. I could have helped him out. But that's why I love Sean McVay right there. Like, he's one of those guys, first off, I feel like most coaches you couldn't even ask that question for because they'd be like, what? I don't know. And they'd kind of like shrug you off. He tries to answer. Imagine Bill Belichick. Right. Imagine Bill right. Belichick. Exactly. That's that what question. I was imagining. That's really yeah. what I was imagining. But to answer it with, it's pretty damn funny. Uh, so, uh, and it is, he's unreal. But uh, what's your word? You got a word for him that you could make up on the fly for Aaron Donald? I, I don't. I don't. I'm Super afraid. Super califragilis expialidocious. No. Is that a real word? I'm just afraid <laughs> that one of the syllables would end up being something that should be bleeped and may not be bleeped, and then we're not back on. He's redonkulous. That's what I'm gonna say. He's yeah, not. But that's re- not a made up word. It's redonkulous. Been uttered before. That's that was like that's a word that was like from some movie, some kids movie. Still made. Kids but, it's still a not a real word. Okay. It's but, not a real word, yeah. but you haven't made it up. Okay. All right. uh, <laughs> okay. What are we doing here? We're doing panic o meter on a scale of one to ten there are uh games being played between teams that lost both lost in week one so they are staring down the barrel of zero and two five games this weekend against teams that racked up losses right out of the gates uh we're gonna do one to ten good teams there uh and and how panicked should these teams be and let's focus first on the 49ers who travel to new jersey for the first of two games at metlife stadium jets and then the giants I'm going to start with them. Scale of 1 to 10, 
What is the panic level? What should it be right now for your San Francisco 49ers? You're a funny guy. You're a very funny guy. Um, I've, are they not your San Francisco 49ers? Well, I mean, they are just because of one guy, okay? But you're, you're right. I'm, I certainly root for them. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but I'm a giant fan, true blue, okay? But either way, yeah, I, I'm going to put it on the seven. There, uh, there's, there's, it's panic time a little bit. I mean, there's injuries throughout the roster at the wide receiver position for the 49ers. Now George Kittle's hurt. We don't know what he'll be for Sunday or if he'll play at all. And Muhammad Sanu is not the Muhammad Sanu we've known, you know, that made a name for himself in Cincinnati and Atlanta with Kyle Shanahan. There's a reason. He'd still be on the Patriots. Exactly. There's a reason the, the Patriots cut him with the team that we question their wide receiving core. So, yes. Like, one, I know Shanahan will know how to use him, and Sanu will be comfortable within the offense, but, uh, man, pass game weapons is certainly a little bit of a question right now in San Francisco, let alone Jimmy Garoppolo, as you talked about yesterday. He threw the ball like crap last weekend, and that doesn't make me feel more confident about them in their passing game either. And, and it's amazing. There's a 49ers fan that sent a horribly racist message to Buda Baker because he's the one who hit Are you? George Kittle and caused the knee injury. And the 49ers <laughs> issued a statement yesterday to it, an appropriate statement by the 49ers. But Garoppolo's the one who caused it. If you're going to be mad at anybody, be mad at Garoppolo. That's he right. threw the ball too high on a screen pass. And Kittle jumped up for it and got his knees blown out in the process. And we'll see how bad that knee sprain is. And we saw last year how quickly he can come back from that kind of an injury. But that that's the problem. Now, next week, when it's 49ers-Giants, you just said you're a Giants fan, true blue. And your 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 guy Kyle's yeah. coming to town. Right. What do you what do you do during that game? Yeah, I, I I root for Shanahan. I do. Yeah, I mean that's that's a personal relationship that just that's too special for me. As much as I love the New York Giants, um, yes, I I like my buddy Kyle Shanahan and his family, and they've been great to me ever since I was 18 years old. So uh, I without a doubt will be rooting for them. Now, will I want the Giants to have some success? And like, is it one of those things where I go, oh, I hope 49ers like win a close one and the Giants look good too? Yeah, that's what I kind of hope for in those matchups. But I will be rooting for Kyle and the Niners. And I remember last year or the year before, or possibly both, we talk about the stress that begins to creep into a team yeah. after like 0-1, like, okay, forget about it. You get to 0-2, right? Talk, talk, you, 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 you've, you've talked us through this before, so talk me through it again. Refresh my memory about how that, that level of anxiety spikes. I think it's after 0-2, maybe it's after 0-3, but yeah. uh, either way, it's coming for some of these teams. It definitely is. When you hit 0-2, you walk into a building on Monday morning after that second loss, and you start to go, whoa, I can feel the anxiousness, the anxiety, the intensity in the building already. Because now the coaches are, whoa, pissed off, on a mission. They realize, whoa, we're teetering on the brink of losing control of the season and everything like that to where everything gets tightened up and people do start to stress out. And you start to see coaches yell about stuff that you're like, what are you yelling at? It's not That's not that to be yelled at. It's just, it just It can lose control that way. And only the special teams can overcome it, in my opinion. But uh, it is a real thing. And I, I used to hate it. It was my worst thing about being an NFL football player was when it got to that time of the year, just how uncomfortable and unpleasant a facility could be when you were in that situation.
And think about it, the 49ers should somehow lose to the Jets. They're staying at the Greenbrier here in West Virginia in between those oh. two games in New oh. Jersey. And so you throw that on top of right. the anxiety and the stress. And like, I, I doubt that, well, who knows? Who knows what will happen? But if, I doubt the 49ers are going to lose two in a row to start the season after going 13-3. and three. I hope Stranger not. things have happened. Yeah. How about Tom Brady? Panic level for him on a scale of 1 to 10 after the performance we saw last weekend. I, I'm not overly panicked. I, I, you, we got to be realistic. I think we all did a little disservice to the football gods. I'm going to go like I'm, I'm right down the middle of the road, like a 5, okay, right in that range. You know, are there things I, I'd like to see, yeah, here somewhat soon to believe in them? Yes, but at the same time, it's Brady, a new team. They're figuring out how they want to run their offense. I didn't expect it to be perfect week one or this team to hit the ground running. Um, I think Bruce Arians' comments add a little more concern to the situation, too. I will say that. Him publicly calling out a guy like Brady that way, that aggressive in week one? You know, I don't, I don't know if I totally agreed with that. I thought that was a little over-aggressive, especially the Monday comments about, you know, hopefully this week he'll show more grit and determination. I heard yesterday he hopes more balls go to Mike Evans. To me, those are all shots at Brady going, Mike Evans was open a few times. You should have thrown it. You know, you should have been grittier and held in the pocket a little longer a few times during the game. Uh, that That is maybe a little more concerning to me than anything right now. I do think they'll get it together on the offensive side of the ball. Brett Favre had a great observation yesterday on Sirius that. XM NFL Radio about the, the problem Bruce Arians may be walking into by calling out a guy like Tom Brady after one game. But Favre said there's a chance yes. that this is an agreement, it's a that plan. this is an understanding, that this is the plan, that this is a twist on Bill Belichick calling out Tom Brady to the team so the other players know there's no sacred cows. This is doing it publicly so everyone knows there's no sacred cows. There's no special treatment. Tom Brady's going to get cussed out just like everyone else. And Arian said that at one point during camp. I'll cuss him out if I have to. Yeah. And and maybe that's the deal that they've done. If it's not, though, you know, today's media availability for Tom Brady, and it's typically Wednesday for the starting quarterback on a Sunday game, it's going to be interesting to see because my guess is somebody's going to ask him about it. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how he responds to it. And I still think that 20 years of, of Patriot way will keep him from saying anything other than he's the coach and whatever right. he says, he says, and right. I just go out and play the games. But if it continues, I, I we're, we're going to be watching every week for some sign of frustration, but I'm with you. It's middle of the road panic right now. The schedule softens. Yes. Now they get the Panthers. They got to win this game because then it's house of horrors time for Tom Brady back to Denver yeah. where he's always struggled but there are winnable games before they get the Packers week six and and when you look at their first half schedule they could get to five and three or six and two Chris yeah they could do it they got a tough draw right out of the game no doubt about that and you're right you you'd think they'd win this game this weekend against Carolina uh, the, the Broncos, Chargers, Bears, that, that's are good defenses. So they will challenge this football team, and that'll make it tough. But, yes, they're, they're a work in progress. And, you know, to the bigger point of what you just brought up, that does go on in football. My father would be the first one to tell you. Bill Parcells, there was a few times through my dad's career where Bill Parcells would tell my dad before practice, like, hey, I might jump on you just for something stupid today to kind of make my point to other guys on the team and do that. So that certainly does go down. I didn't get that feeling, though, in the postgame press conference that it was like a planned thing. I felt like it was a little bit like, ooh, I'm a little frustrated because he threw two interceptions and we didn't win the game and it just came out of his mouth. 
And that's where it's different, but we'll see. We'll see. I know we're, we'll be aware of what goes on here. I agree with you. I think this is Bruce Arians being Bruce Arians, yep. the guy he's always been, the guy who didn't become a coach until seven years ago because he won't play the game. He won't kiss butt. He will say what he thinks. And it very well may be that when they had that first conversation, whether it happened after they were allowed to have it or before they were allowed to have it, <laughs> yeah. wink, wink, nod, nod, at some point Arians, I'm certain, said to Brady, hey, you got to understand how I am. I'll call you out. You make a mistake. I'll call you out. Yeah. I'll call out everybody. That's the way it is. You're going to if, if Arians didn't do that, he made a huge mistake because Brady needs to know going in that he's not dealing with some head coach who's going to go out and grumble, grumble, and not say anything. This coach is going to go out and say when his guys make mistakes. Yeah. Phillip Rivers, with the Vikings coming to town and the Vikings anxious to get to one and one, and Rivers with two interceptions in a game that the Colts should have easily won over the Jaguars eight-point favorites, and they lose by seven. What's the panic level for him? It's, this is a weird one. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a six here, and it really has nothing to do with the rest of the football team. I mean, nothing. I mean, you, you said it. They never punted in the game. They moved the ball up and down the field on the Jacksonville Jaguars. The offense was great. Frank Reich is quietly one of the best game planners there is in all of football. I mean, every week when I watch the film, I go, ooh, that was a cool way to do that, or ooh, I've never seen that combination. He's always got something to bring to the table. But I go six here because, I mean, we've just we've seen this story, and I'm concerned that he just can't help himself. He's got to prove to me a little bit that he can rein it in and punt the ball a few times. I mean, whatever. But when you're in control of the game, you know, part of your job as a quarterback is to realize how the game is going. Yeah, you, you go into a football game all the time going, I hope we score, score 35 and we throw for 350 yards. But part of a quarterback's job is to go, oh, wait, I'm sitting here on the sidelines. It's the end of the first quarter. Man, their offense can't move the ball in our defense today. Man, we're, we're kind of moving at will. Okay. I don't think I need to take any chances. I need to. I can play this conservative. I think we're going to win this game. I don't need to do anything crazy. We're the better team on the field. And I just feel like sometimes that doesn't happen. And it's just throw it, throw it, aggressive, throw it. And it bit them in the butt. So uh, I'm a little concerned just because of him. And it's a habit. And look, I take no pleasure in being right about so far my belief that what we saw from Philip Rivers last year was a harbinger of what we were going to see this year in Indianapolis. But I got to ask this question, Chris. Not many teams have a backup who's making $15 million a year. Right. In Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. What kind of leash does Philip Rivers have? I, I think it's, it, it's, it's going to be, you know, like somewhat long here where he'll get a, a, a good four or five games. But if this, like, continues to be a theme – then yes, they're going to look at a guy and go, okay, Jacoby, at least he won't turn the ball over. At least he won't make some of these mistakes. So it's going to be on Phillip Rivers, and hopefully he can rein it in and play smart football and not take some of those chances. They have a very good all-around football team, and they should not have blown that game last week. So, uh, yeah, he's got to put some good games you know, together here to, to squash that conversation altogether so it doesn't come about halfway through the year. And even if they lose their home opener on Sunday, by the way, up to 2,500 fans will be able to attend the game at Lucas Oil Stadium. If they fall to 0-2, they've got the Jets at the Bears, at the Browns, and the Bengals before their bye. So there's 
opportunities to win games and turn this thing around and and keep Jacoby Brissett on the sideline. Remember, he was 5-2 and two last year before he yeah. suffered the knee injury that derailed his season because when he came back, I don't think he was ever the same. And then they decided they got to go out and buy one of these veteran quarterbacks as a stopgap until they draft somebody. If the stopgap's not stopping then you got to go with the guy you have. And you're paying Jacoby Brissett a lot of money to be available. And I think at some point it becomes a consideration. And yeah. and if they lose games that they – look, I, I'm going to say, if they lose games they clearly should have won, it becomes a problem. Well, they've already lost a game they clearly should have won. So is it the Jaguars are a hell of a lot better than we thought? Or is it the Colts are a hell of a lot worse? That's why we need three, four, five games to really understand where these teams are. The Vikings – 0-1, giving up more points than they ever have in any season opener in their 60-year history, Chris, taking it on the road to Indianapolis. What's the panic level for them? Eight, I, I think, to be fair. I mean, yeah, I'm a little panicked about the Vikings. Defense was stinky. You, you know, you said it. There's issues there. You know, they had schematical issues, and then they had clear, like, personnel, we can't match up with this guy issue. So that's concerning. And then when you flip it over to the offensive side of the ball, I mean, we talked about it yesterday. I mean, holy crapola. I mean, five throws in the first half? I mean, you got to work hard to do that in this day and age in the NFL. So between that, the way the offense looked, all the new pieces, everything to go with it, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I think the Vikings could be in trouble. And this week is they got to rebound a little bit and, and show us what they're all about. I mean, here's the problem. When you are going to jettison as many veteran defensive backs yeah. as they did, whether you cut them or whether you let them walk away in free agency because you're confident that you can backfill, if you don't have a pass rush, I don't care who's back there. Eventually, someone's getting open. It could be Charles Woodson, Rod Woodson, Deion Sanders, and Daryl Green in their prime. Somebody's eventually getting – well, maybe not, maybe not with those four – but if you give a quarterback enough time, he's eventually going to find somebody that he can throw the football to. And the Vikings did not unleash a pass rush, and that made it even harder for a bunch of young corners to uh, cover Devontae Adams and company. Yeah. So I, I think it's I think I think what 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 it is is it's an eight, and Mike Zimmer, the coach of the Vikings, needs to convince them it's lower than that yeah, because I right. think if they believe it, they're gonna they're gonna press. They're going to try to do too much, and they're going to walk right into the trap because Phillip Rivers needs this game as badly as the Vikings defense does, and something's got to break. Yes, you're right. It's a big football game. And the way things looked on Sunday, I clearly think the Colts are the better team, but Phillip Rivers is the wild card in all this. Are we going to get you know the rambling, gambling, could throw four interceptions at any moment, or are we going to get the guy we saw – in the 2018 season that led his team to a 12-4 and record, the second-best record in the AFC, and played pretty clean football. That's what If we see that, the Colts could be very dangerous. I always tend to go with the more recent. He's yeah. two years older than he was in 2018, and last year was not good, and this year not off to a good start for the Colts or the Vikings or the Cowboys. Lost a game they could have won, maybe should have won. Mike McCarthy entering his second game as coach of the team, home opener against the Cowboys, and they still don't know how many fans are going to be there. They're allowed to have up to 50%. They're not going to go quite there, but they haven't said how many are going to be there. But there will be fans present. Mike McCarthy, game two, a game they should win against the Falcons. What's his panic level going into this? Well, I'm not, like, panicked about 
anything in particular that I saw from the I mean I still think this is a solid football team they played tough they were in they were there you know with a chance to win the football game when it was all said and done um so I'm gonna go like a four here uh, I, I am because I'm, I'm not like panicked about Mike McCarthy I wish he would have kicked the field goal and tied the game and continued to see if hey can the Rams go down and score and do that you know make them play uh, they weren't exactly on fire, the Rams' offense. I mean, they just scored 20 points, so uh, I don't understand that still to this day. But, you know, the other thing I just went on to see, again, from the, this offense, they got too many weapons. They got just too many weapons to not be doing more on the offensive side of the ball. I, I wish they would take a little bit more of a new-age approach, Mike. I think that's – if I could say anything, the Dallas Cowboys and Mike McCarthy is goes, like, damn – you got an, you got two really good running backs. One's a super stud. You got three unreal receivers. We got to get the ball in the hands of these guys more. And I just think there's got to be more misdirection, moving parts. You got to give your guys a schematical advantage. What's the point of having C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup if you can't get them the ball and scare people with it? I just wish we would see almost a little bit more of a Kansas City approach from them. You know. Hey, it's Amari Cooper in the backfield going this way and CeeDee Lamb going that way, and it's a motion there, and they stop and they come back the other way, and you know, more screens and more reverses and speed sweeps and everything like that. Uh, and I think they could be special that way. I just want to see a little more creativity from that side of the ball and just more involvement with all this talent they have. As part of my newfound effort to emulate both you and Ron Jaworski, I watched all of that game yeah, carefully. You think? Shereen Williams and I did a rewatch of it for PFTPM last night. Two drives right. that stood out. At the end of the first half, when it looked like the Cowboys didn't have enough time to do anything, they sliced and diced, and they got down the field, and they scored a touchdown, and they took the lead. Yeah. End of the game, right. I don't know what the hell they were doing. They got the ball with two minutes and 28 seconds left, and yeah, they were pinned in their own end, but they had 228, and they burned off almost all of it to go 20 yards. Yeah. It was a lot of passes Clearly in bounds, no opportunity to get out of bounds right. and stop the clock. There was no urgency, no creativity. They don't throw the ball down the field the way they should. The one time they did, it was the connection with Michael Gallup. And uh, I do that more often. Yeah. There's a lot of balls being sprayed around in that 15 to 20-yard area at the most. There isn't a whole lot of over-the-top stuff. And you've got guys who can get down the field. Yeah. And why not do that? Why not have that threat? To make it easier to do everything else, so yeah. I was I was very disappointed by their last drive. They had more than enough time to get in field goal range, and then all of a sudden they had no time, and they were in panic mode. And uh, that's on both Mike McCarthy and the play caller Kellen Moore, because in that moment when you still have that window of opportunity, when you still got that chance to win the game or at least force overtime, and you've got that much, I think they. They, they got lulled into a false sense of how much time they had, and before they knew it, it's like, holy yeah. crap, we only got 40 seconds left. Yeah, I, it, it did look like that a little bit. They were taking their time. And, hey, look, part of it, like, again, situational football and things we talk about, you know, really good two-minute drill teams, too, just to bring up this point. Not that it was totally here, but, like, you know, if you're a quarterback and somebody's open for two yards and you see, oh, wait, he's open for two yards, but he's going to get tackled quickly and have no chance to get out of bounds – like, Tom Brady wouldn't throw that. He'd just throw it out of bounds and go, who cares about the two yards? We need the time. I'm not going to waste 20 seconds to get two yards. And they did. They had some wasted plays there early on in that drive where you were just like, oh, that wasn't worth it for all the time you lost on the clock. That was stupid. And, uh, yeah, they got to readjust some things there in Dallas. Yeah, well, what do you think? If somebody's going to make a move and they're going to pop free and they're going to run 80 yards and win the game? Right. It, it just didn't make any sense mm -hmm. to me 
to have that lack of urgency when you still have a chance to win the game. And you're trying to atone for the misguided decision to go for it on fourth down with 10 minutes left in the game when you could have just taken the field goal, tied it up. It's 0-0 with 10 minutes left. Let's go. Let's see who can win this game. So, all right. Uh, I'm not overly panicked for the Cowboys, but there are things, you know, we, we say all the time, or we hear coaches say all the time, we, we need to go watch the film and decide what to fix. There are things the coaches need to fix that they did, yeah. not necessarily the players right. coming out of that first game for the Cowboys. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, where did the Cowboys go in the power rankings? Where did the other teams that lost go? Where did the teams go that won? The Week 2 power rankings posted yesterday at PFT. Chris gets a chance to tell me how stupid I am when PFT Live continues right after this. Tuesday night hockey, NBCSN, Islanders, Tampa Bay, game five. Here's Ryan Pulak. Makes it one nothing in the first period. Islanders up. But it wouldn't last. Tampa Bay Lightning, second period. Victor Hedman, biscuit, basket, game tied at one apiece. And the game would go not to one, but to two overtimes. Jordan wow. Everly with the goal. The Islanders win, forcing a game six. And there is Semyon Varlamov with the dive and the slide. Helps to play on ice if you're going to do that. You slide a lot farther than if you play on anything else. They're going to be playing tomorrow night. Game six, the winner of the series ends up taking on the Dallas Stars in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, tomorrow night's game, 8 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. All right, Thursday night as well. Week two of the NFL season gets started. The week two power rankings are out. I post a new set every Tuesday. And, yeah, there's been a little bit of a shakeup. We're starting to see who's good and who's not so good. And down go the 49ers. Let's start there, Chris, with the 49ers dropping from – number two down to number six should i have made them go farther down on the board than just four spots i don't think so not yet i I, i'm okay with what you did there i i I understand that i I think what i look at is just this they were this close away to kind of like blowing that game open early on so that's where i would go okay that to me warrants enough of a i'm not going to drop them that low and Jimmy Garoppolo did not play his best football. We knew they were banged up going into the game a little bit too. But, hey, when you have a, block, a, a punt blocked back in your own area and you give, you know, Kyler Murray and company a short field and you don't make it on a fourth and goal, you know, from a foot and a half out, it's the NFL. And you're all of a sudden you're going to be in a football game. I don't care who you're playing. So uh, I, I get it. I think that was fair. And if you're not hitting your running backs and your receivers in stride in that carefully designed Kyle Shanahan offense, you're not going to pop the big plays like the one they did for their first touchdown. That Raheem Mostert touchdown was a thing of beauty. Yeah. Because it was on the uh, money. Hit on on the money in stride. Isaiah Simmons, you know, first I feel bad for the guy, first game in an NFL uniform. He stepped the wrong way, and there goes Raheem Mostert. And we didn't see enough of that from Jimmy Garoppolo and company, but they still have the capacity to do it. They should win the next few games and start to build some momentum, but they're going to be in a very tough division. Oh, and they have to play the Cardinals again after the Cardinals beat them. The Seahawks in the NFC West, they moved up four spots. That accounts for most of the disruption in the top five. I had them at number eight, but after what they did to the to the Falcons and the way Russell Wilson looked and the, the promise of seeing that on a regular basis yeah. – That caused me to move them past the 49ers who lost, but also past the Saints who won. Because as you pointed out, 
There's cause for concern with the Saints, even though they got the victory. So I, I said the hell with it. I'm putting the Seahawks ahead of the Saints. I, I don't know if I would have done that, but I, I can, I, I certainly can understand why. I mean, you're right. I, I, there, there is things to be concerned about. You know, the Saints. Uh, they, they did play a team that we're all looking at, going, oh, well, they're supposed to be a, a pretty damn good team this year. But the way Seattle played, I think you kind of hit it. So that's why it's hard to argue. Russell Wilson looks so awesome. And then Jamal Adams looked so awesome on the defensive side of the ball. You just went, whoa, it's kind of changed. If they're going to play this style and they seemed, and I haven't watched that defensive side of the film. I watched Seattle on offense. I haven't watched Seattle on defense. It seemed like they might have done a little bit more on the defensive side of the ball than usual schematically because of Jamal Adams. That excites me. And yeah, I got no problem with that. Like I said, I don't know if I would have had him jump the Saints yet. But I understand that completely, and uh, Russell looks so good. It, it, it's okay. I'll let it slide. And let me let me say this about Russell Wilson and Jamal Adams. When I spoke to Russell after the game, and, and look, we, we know how Russell is. Russell's going to always say good things about his teammates, as he should. He was heaping praise on everyone. But when I asked him specifically about Jamal Adams, he stopped. And he started rattling off with an exclamation point after every word. Every positive thing you could say about a player, Hall of Fame, championship caliber, leadership, intensity, emotion. It was different. It was delivered differently than anything else he said. So they know they got something special in Jamal Adams, and that helps put the both sides of the ball together and puts them in position where they can be really good. And they take on the number three Patriots on Sunday Night Football, and that should be a great game. And we got to pick a winner in that one, Chris. And, oh, you know, we're doing our picks podcast tomorrow. I got no, I, I have no clue. I just feel that no matter what I do, I'm going to be wrong. I have no clue who's going to win that game. All right. Uh, the Cardinals also in the NFC West. Whoa. I moved them from 20 Whoa. up to number 12. Hey, hey, they did. Look, here's the thing. And and somebody, somebody wrote in the document that we used to communicate confirmation bias for a team that got some offseason hype. Hey, look, I would have put them higher than number 20 if I bought the hype. The reality is they went into Santa Clara and kicked the crap out of the 49ers. They beat them. They out 49 ers the 49ers. They won. They, they wore them down. They won the game. They had the far better quarterback. And I'm not going to say they're the better team right now, but, man, they, they pulled it off, and they showed me something, and they showed me they belong in the top 12, Chris. Yeah, it, well, I, I think the thing that jumps out to me, and I know you're probably going to talk about this team next, is that you got four teams in the NFC West all in the top 13 teams in football, which is kind of – Amazing. I, I hear you there. Can I see the rest of those power rankings? Can we throw that back up on the screen again? Uh, like, I think you're in the right range for the Cardinals. I don't think I would have put them in front of the Rams. But other than that, I got no issue with it either. Okay? I, I do. We don't know what the Cowboys are. I, want, I mean, I think the Cowboys are a better football team than the Cardinals. Okay, I'll say this. Week one... Yeah, I probably would have put the Cardinals at 15. I probably still would have got another week with Rams, Cowboys, Eagles and just gone with that because I'm not quite sure about the Cardinals yet. But there are other questions there about the other teams too. But it's not egregious. I, I hear you. I mean, that was a big win and they got some special difference-making type players on their team. Here's, here's why 
I moved the Rams up 10 spots because even now when I look at it, it's like, what the hell was I thinking? Yeah, I would because like to know they, this Because they one. easily could have lost the game. They easily could have lost the game. I right. disagreed with the Michael Gallup offensive pass interference mm-hmm. call in part because I wanted the Cowboys win because I picked them to win. I mean, that's the thing. Who are you rooting for in these games? The team that you picked to win because you want to be right. I'm not going to root for the team. I, I mean, we, we, we develop a natural rooting interest in all 256 regular season games because we pick a winner for every game. Yeah. So – shocker, we want to be right. So we root to be right. And I wanted the Cowboys to win because I thought they would. The reason I put the Rams up where they were, that was an, an admission by me that I was wrong to have them as low as I yeah. did. I misread right. the room going in that with all the changes, without Todd Gurley, without Wade Phillips, that without Brandon Cooks, that this was going to be a middle to bottom of the pack team. And by holding off the Cowboys, one of the better teams in the conference, supposedly yeah that made me admit i was wrong and i that 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 kind of a jump now for the cardinals the eight point jump is my regret that i didn't have them higher in the first place for the rams the 10 point jump is they should have been up in that range in the first yeah well i remember back in the when you first let out the the rankings i think that was probably my biggest question right was just going i think you're just disrespecting the rams a little bit and not to sit here to tell you like i'm right or anything like that but yeah, I think when you when you see them on the field and then you remember like damn, McVay's a good coach too. I got to remember that. He's he's got an advantage on a lot of coaches and the way he called that game. I mean, McVay was the number one reason they won that game. The pace of the offense, all the what I would call bull crap completions were just their McVay. You could put a you could put Johnny from 7th grade out there and he would have completed most of those passes. There was nothing there. It was just Sean McVay specials, but when you talk about Cooper Cup and you see the running backs are pretty good. And then you go, ooh, Robert Woods is real good. And then they got a pretty good two-headed monster at tight end. And, oh, and yeah, the offensive line's not great, but you can see McVay can make up for some of the lack of, like, great talent there. And then you see the defense has difference makers. And I think that's where, you know, yeah, it's not like the best, most complete football team, but between good coaching, battle-tested, and some real big-time playmakers who can sway the game like an Aaron Donald, a Jalen Ramsey, Woods, and all those guys. Yeah, they're going to be a pain in the butt, and it's why I picked them to go to the playoffs. We'll see how it works out, though, as we go forward. The Packers beat the Vikings, and it caused the Packers to jump from 14 to number 9. Another semi-admission. I was wrong to have the Packers where I had them. Hey, I can own it. I can admit it. We don't know. Nobody knows what the hell is going to happen until it happens. Yeah, that's right. The Vikings I dropped from 13 to number 22 because that's where they deserve to be based upon what we saw on Sunday. The last time they gave up that many points. Now, actually, they never gave up 43 in a season opener. They gave up 42 in 1984. That was the failed Les Steckel experiment, the one and done where they went three and 13. He was a drill sergeant in training camp. It blew up in his face. The team was horrible. I don't know if they're quite going to go there, but I don't see this team winning more games than it loses based on what we saw on on uh, Sunday, Chris. So yeah, 22 is where the Vikings are and they're going to stay there until they earn their way out of it. Right. Defense, I don't think elite. Offense is just okay and too predicated on like oh we got to run the ball to open everything up and I don't it's not like they're the Tennessee Titans offensive line or Derrick Henry that way so I don't know I do I got major questions about the Vikings and I got no issue with you having them right there I think that's realistically where they are in that range anywhere from you know 17 to 22 or 23 now the Packers Man, yeah, the Packers look better than I even expect them to look. And if they're going to have that aggressive nature on the defensive side, I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, 
and attack a little bit more this year through the air with more aggressive passes, ooh, they 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 might be on to something. Not to say their team's perfect, but I do like the way it looked, and Rodgers looked really, really good. Uh, I mean, I was impressed with the way he looked, even physically. You know, last year, I thought, Mike, I thought Rodgers got it too much into the, like, he talked about it, yoga, staying loose and limber, uh, Tom does this, Brady does this, and I, I, I thought there was an issue last year. I wanted to go, hey, you're not Tom Brady. You know, that's not your game. You need to be able to hop around and run and explode and be really quick and explosive that way. And, you know, there was points last year where I swear I would watch games and I would go, he can't fill his pants out right now. You know, his pants are droopy on his butt. And, you know, I look at that region of any football player. I, first thing I saw in the game on Sunday was I said, Rodgers looks better in his uniform. He looked like he had a little more muscle. He looked like he had a little more pop on his arm and in his legs. And when you have that and you're Aaron Rodgers, you say, watch out. Maybe he just got pants that fit him better. Maybe he did, but it didn't look like it by just the way his arms, two quarterbacks that I looked like that I thought looked a little more buff. Deshaun Watson on Thursday night, I thought he looked a little bit more like he put some armor on because he knows he plays a little bit of a reckless style. And I think Rodgers got back to where Rodgers should be. You know, he his movement's still a big part. He can't be like Tom. Tom just wants to slide and be smooth around the pocket. Rodgers, you see, it's who he, he spin, flip, run, run, shoot. It's just a different kind of game, and he can't make his body to be like Tom Brady because that's not what he does. All right, uh, the Texans. Oh, this is I got a one here for you. This is this right. one I don't get. We're gonna challenge you on All this right. one. All right, there's the bottom half. The Texans there at number 17, unchanged from last week, even though they lost at Kansas City in the first game of the season last Thursday night. The Browns, though, sent to the bottom of the stack after Damn. losing to the Ravens 38 to 6 they dropped from 18 down to number 32 what's your what what's your problem with me leaving the Texans where they were after losing to the Chiefs but but pulling the plug on the Browns after losing to the Ravens well this is like something that me and, and Pete did a little little lightest lightest were texting about last night you know cuz we knew we were going to talk about this and we saw your power rankings so yeah, we want to pick them apart. But I just want to know, explain this to me, Michael Florio. Okay? This is Texans simple. lose, simple. stay at 17 to the number one team in football. Browns lose to the second best team in football, but you drop them 14 spots. Defend yourself. Well, here's the thing. The Texans, right, I, I they, they, they drew a – a really short straw right out of the gates. The first game of the season, they got to go into a stadium with 16,000 people there on a weekend when only the Jaguars had anyone present by way of fans in all the other games. And I thought the Texans did as well as they could under the circumstances of going in to play the best team in the NFL. The Browns, I, you know, for all the reasons we discussed earlier in the show, whether it's the ill-advised design of the fake punt, whether it's the refusal to stick with what's working with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, whether it's the Odell Beckham Jr. dysfunction. I mean, once you get down into the range of dysfunctional teams, I started looking at all the other teams, and and here's the thing. There was no one else to put at 32. Put the, the bottom half back up, please. That's why I ended up picking the Browns, because I compared the Browns to the Panthers. Hey, the Panthers... The Panthers did themselves proud against the Raiders. They shouldn't be number 32. The Giants game against the Steelers, a hell of a lot closer than it should have been. Then the final score would suggest they don't deserve to be 32. The Bengals 
could have won the game or at least forced overtime, but for a kicker missing a field goal, they don't deserve to be number 32. There was no one else that deserved to be number 32. The Browns deserved it because of the way they lost, the way they performed, and the way it's heading. This is the warning sign, Cleveland. You're right back where you were a couple of years ago if you don't fix this now. And the easiest way to fix it is trade Odo Beckham Jr. Yeah. Period. Yeah, I, I listen. I I hear you, and and I think everything you said was was right. It, it was a, it was a bad look. It was a very bad look, and that was like we talked about. There's no excuse. Yeah, I don't know if I would have put him at 32. I don't know if I would have. Uh, I probably would have put him somewhere in that. I I probably would have still kept the Panthers at 32. I think I probably would have, uh, even though it was a a good effort and they played well. I just think just from what I, I still, I guess, the talent on the roster with the Browns, I still think would verify for me one more week to maybe have them at least 27 or 28. But the points you make are real. Who's who's 32 then? Who was the one team you would put at 32 right now? Pick yeah. a team and you tell me and defend why you would make them the worst team in the NFL. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you could sit there and, I, I like I said, I think you could have the Panthers at 32. I got no issue with that. Or even the New York Giants if you wanted to go that way. You know, but it, it is tough. But, yes, I mean, the Panthers, it, it was fun to watch and everything like that. I don't know how good the Raiders are either. I mean, the Raiders' defense, is it's stinky. So, I, I guess with those young parts and just, hey, it is week one, and you talk about, hey, the, the Browns got the, the short straw by de- dealing with the Ravens. The Panthers got the right team to kind of give us a somewhat of a good look in their week one. Uh, and you don't know what to expect from them because we haven't seen what they want to do or how they want to attack, so they had that advantage. But, um, yeah, I probably would have had one of those teams down towards the bottom over Cleveland and given them respect one more week. But I get what you're saying. I hear you. I'm drooling on myself. Sorry. <laughs> Let's see what happens on Thursday night, though. The Browns host the Bengals. What have they learned from what happened on Sunday? And, and you know, coming off of that kind of a loss – do you want to get back on the horse that quickly, or do you want to have the benefit of a full week? Uh, I think you'd want to have the benefit of a full week, especially with the new coaching staff still and all of that, to just have a little more time to digest the game. Hey, you know, and instead of a Tuesday now where they're like, we got to get the game plan ready, guys, get in here, we got to have practice, we got to have meetings, everything like that. Tuesday would be a day if it was a normal week where the coaches, the organization could all sit down and go, wait, where did we mess up with our plan of attack last week? What are we really going to do with our team here? And I think it lets you, yeah, you know, dive into some of the issues with your team a little bit more. Right now, you have no time for that. You just got to like kind of correct on the fly. We're playing a team. Let's go. But hopefully they can catch up with the long weekend after the Thursday game. All right, quick break. When we return, who are we buying the hype as it relates to coming out of week one? Player, coach, team, anyone. We'll do that draft when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I don't know that Russell Wilson, you know how much of a trigger word and how much of a pet peeve underrated is for me, Michael. I hate I that word because it's thrown around way too liberally. But in this for case, Russell you're Wilson, right. If you if Russell Wilson has never gotten so much as an MVP vote, that count that constitutes underappreciated and underrated for a guy who not only is a first ballot Hall of Famer, who is putting together the kind of career that makes him one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time right now. I love I love watching him play. I think he is underrated. I, I know I know we use that. I, I I even use that term too much, but in this case, it's accurate. Why? Because I don't think anybody is going to look at a 5'11 quarterback with the production of Russell Wilson, like Russell Wilson was in college at, at, at Wisconsin and North Carolina State, you know, whatever. I don't think anybody's going to say, well, he's 5'11, he's too short, he's productive, he's smart, he can run our offense, but he just doesn't have the size, so we're going to wait until the third round to draft him. I don't think that's going to happen. As a matter of fact, I know it's not going to happen ask anymore. Kyle, ask Kyler had- Murray. That's Michael Hawley, Michael Smith, brother from another 3 p.m. Eastern every weekday on Peacock, part of the lineup that starts with PFT Live and ends with PFT PM. Week one ends with the awards being handed out by the National Football League. Russell Wilson, the Offensive Player of the Week. Ike Taylor, the former Steelers cornerback, once told us, what you get for that is a sheet of paper. Now, if you break an all-time record, you get a laminated sheet of paper if you're the Offensive, or Defensive, or Special Whoa. Teams Player of the Week. <laughs> it's just a plain old sheet of paper with your name on it. It's Russell Wilson in the NFC and Lamar Jackson in the AFC. All right, our draft today by the hype. Which team, which player, which coach, which whoever are we buying the hype on after one week? Chris has the trivia question for me. Go. All right, Mike. Who had the most receiving yards last week in the NFL? Look it up. Look Adam at me. Thielen. Look at me. Who? Adam Thielen. Nope. Adam Wrong. Thielen. Good. I didn't want you to. Nope. Sorry. Julio Jones. He beat out not top 10 wide receiver Devontae Adams by one yard. Devontae Adams, he, he shoved that up my butt in week one, didn't he? <laughs> you gave him the motivation. <laughs> yeah, See, that's what you were doing. You're trying to help Aaron Rodgers. You I, and Aaron Rodgers have some sort of a backroom deal where you're going to get Devontae Adams is pissed as Aaron Rodgers is pissed, and now they're going to go tear up the league, yeah. and you're going to get a Super Bowl ring yeah, out of uh, it. Please send one my way, or Aaron, I'll, just, <laughs> I'll take one thirty-third of your contract this year. That's all I'm asking. One thirty-third. Yeah. That's it. And we'll call it even. Okay. See what I'm doing for you, Aaron Rodgers? All right. My first pick. I mean, who am I buying the damn hype for? Cam Newton, the New England Patriots. That's the, my number one. I'm buying it. Yep. I'm all in. Uh, from what I saw on the offensive side of the ball, the way the Patriots looked on that side of the ball, and 
I think my – and I know the Dolphins are not world beaters, but I think my concerns about what the defense might look like I think were certainly lessened by the way they played and what I saw. They, you know, again, the secondary still top-notch, best in football, and I think there's enough in that front seven to still make them one of the best defenses in football. So between Cam Newton's health, the scheme around him, the rest of the football team, yep, I'm in on the hype. You put me in a tough spot. This is one of those drafts where you should get the first pick and I should get the next two because you're going to get another really good player and or team uh, before I get to pick again. Go ahead. I, 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 got, to I, got, let's I do it. Fine. You can take the no, next two. No, I'm not taking the next two. Okay. No, I'm not going to do you that. You want to change the rules today? That's okay. No, Fine. I'm not changing the rules. <laughs> I, I'm taking Kyler Murray, though. I'll tell you that yeah. without question. Yeah. Buy the hype on Kyler Murray. We've been talking for months about how he could be the next second-year quarterback, not just to take the NFL by storm, but become the MVP. And based on what we saw last week, even though the numbers, you got to look past the numbers, ignore the passer rating of 78. Who cares, right? He was spectacular. He is a superstar, and he's on his way by the hype on Kyler Murray, and you don't have to worry about Kyler Murray getting injured because nobody can touch him. Yeah, well, that's that's why numbers stink sometimes. You know, that's what that's the really the problem in our, you know, like uh, the football world at times where I get in arguments on the show because people just – they don't watch the game and they look at the bottom line. They go, oh, that, that's why they won. That's why they lost. And you want to go, yeah, nobody will look at it last week if you didn't watch the game. You'll just go, oh, Kyler Murray, he must have played okay. No, like you said, he won the game. And, and he affects the game in so many more ways than the stat sheets say. You know, he handcuffs the great front four of the, the San Francisco 49ers that ruins games for other teams and cause sack fumbles or causes the quarterback to throw a ball as he's under pressure and it becomes an interception. None of that happens with Kyler Murray because they can't just pin their ears back and go because they know if they do that, he's just going to go zoom and go up the field. So they're kind of watching him, trying to figure that. He's got a quick release, gets the ball out of his hands. And that, that, so good pick is what I'm saying. Shut up, Chris. All right, here we go. Thank Mike. you. Thank you for bolstering my pick. Who no do you problem. have now? Because no I'm not going to return the favor. All right, well, I'm going to buy the it's, – it's a little out of sight, out of mind because it's been a while, but I'm buying the hype on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I'm going to go there next just because that was special, and I have no doubt in my mind that that's going to continue to be special. It might not be rushing stats special. This week it might be 100 yards receiving in the screen game. But either way, his talent and his niche within that offense is real, and I'm in on the hype. I mean, I, I think you and I were in on the hype before the season started, but that just at least clarified it for me to where I'm all in and I got no doubts about it. Yeah, leading rusher for the week. And, you know, I'm not going to talk about on pace, even though he's on pace for 2,200 yards. I'm not going to say it, but that's the kind of production. If you can get it week in and week out, you're going to have a special season. Those numbers are going to rack up dramatically and quickly. He's got to stay healthy, but uh, he's exactly what the Chiefs needed, and he's doing exactly what they expected. I'm buying the hype on the Baltimore Ravens, mm. right? They're not, they're not going to step onto the bear trap of – we were 14-2 and two last year. How do we go back to 0-0? Zero and zero? John Harbaugh told me after the game, his guys are talking about it. They're remembering it. That's the standard. They don't want to close the book on 2019. They feel like they're building on what they did last year instead of forgetting about what they did last year. And they're keenly aware of how the season ended. But before they can get to the point where they try to win that playoff game, They've got to fatten up their regular season record, and they're trying to live up to and exceed what they did last year. And based on what we saw on Sunday, they got a ton of weapons. Their defense is good enough, 
And I think this team is going to keep winning and winning and winning. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I wrote down the Ravens too, but I wrote it in a little different fashion of right where I wrote Lamar the passer. I'm going to buy that hype. That's a good pick by you. But, man, I, I liked what I saw there from him. You know, and I'll, I'll say it once again. Man, good thing they didn't move him to wide receiver. That would have been a big mistake. Okay. Now I'm going to how go. Much of that, how much of that talk yeah. do you think – contributed to him falling all, all the way of to it Mike 32. Mike I had him the number one quarterback at the start of that year and had no doubts and felt good the backlash I got from NFL coaches people in the media when I would see them at the owners meeting I really got such a pushback that I went man they must know something I don't know or the, and I ended up moving him down, and I'm still pissed. And it, it was the last time where I said, I'm never going to listen to some of these people ever again. Like, don't talk to me. And it really pisses me off to this day. I mean, I got people in the media who I want to call out right now and be like, oh, yeah, remember with the odors meeting when you were making fun of me? For, the people were walking by me going, Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson? Yeah, Lamar Jackson. Up your butt, Joe Boo. Yeah, Lamar Jackson. Joe Boo needs a refill. He does need a refill. <laughs> let, let me say this. We, we've discussed this before, and, and I need to mention it again. And, and I know that there are going to be people out there say, oh, you're just trying to help your agent buddies. This is the reality, though. Lamar Jackson didn't have an agent prior to the draft. Yeah. And it's critical to have an agent in that context because all the other agents are talking crap about all the guys they don't represent. Right. And pushing so hype. What happened? And, and the media, who are you hearing it from? You're hearing it from the media. Do you think the media is hearing it from coaches and GMs, or do you think they're hearing it from the agents who are working them yeah. so the media will spit out these narratives to influence owners? See, that's the thing. The agents realize that the owners are influenced by the media as much as they're influenced by their own employees. So you get the media on your side, and Lamar Jackson has no one defending him and also no one going on the attack against the other quarterbacks. So uh, anyway, uh that's all I'm going to say about that. But that I feel bad for Lamar Jackson because he would have been drafted a lot higher, although he wouldn't be with the Ravens, although maybe the Ravens would have taken him in the middle of the round instead of waiting until number three. Yeah, maybe if they all knew right. that didn't happen, they would, they would have known he wasn't going to fall and they wouldn't have traded down and done all that. But, yeah, you're right. But what, either way. All right, here we go. My pick, right? My, my, my pick? Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm going in on uh, dangerous, so dangerous. Russell Wilson's dangerous. Yeah, newness in Seattle. I'm going to kind of combine this, okay, with – the new approach of Russell Wilson in the past game, and then Jamal Adams and his newness. Buying, sorry, yep, I already bought it. I paid cash for it. I'm all in on that too. The way that looked, the way he throws, please, Brian Schottenheimer, keep expanding the offense, doing more. Just throw it all out there. Kitchen sink time in Seattle. Ride, Russ. Your defense is good enough now. They're not going to be like dominant, dominant, but they're good enough. Russ can win you the Super Bowl. Let's do it. I can't believe we're at the end of this draft. And I don't I know. see anything about buying the Aaron Rodgers I revenge know. tour. I know. I'm buying. I'm buying it. It's working. He's yeah. willing himself into a level of performance we've never seen before. How dare you not pick him? <laughs> I, I'm all in with the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour. It's yeah. going to be fun to watch. And, you know, I remember last year when there was the Tyler Dunn article that explored the dysfunction between Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers and Mark Murphy's reaction, the CEO of the team was, you know what, maybe this is good because it's going to get some people pissed off. Well, maybe picking Jordan Love got Aaron Rodgers just pissed off enough where yeah. his attitude is red-hot poker on everyone. 
And uh, here go the Packers finishing the job. Even though they didn't get the help they needed in the draft, Aaron Rodgers is motivated enough that he's going to do it himself. Yeah, and, you know, I, I heard him after the game talk, you know, about, like, the the communication, people being on the same page. You know, when I hear those type of things, I start to think, uh, it, it, to me, he's going, hey, the young receivers are really in. We we have great dialogue. The Valdez Scantlings, the Lazards, we're all on the same page. They know my signals. They know what I'm thinking. They're reading the coverages the right way. And that's encouraging. And I like, I mean, I'm with you. I like the way my buddy looked. He was throwing laser beams out there on your Minnesota. Then why'd you take him last? I don't know. Why didn't you take him? Because I I sometimes feel like I kiss his ass so much. I got to take a break every now and then. I mean, my, my lips are stuck on his butt. That's that's the first time you've ever had that thought enter your head. That's the first time you've ever self-edited yourself as it relates to heaping praise on Aaron Rodgers, And you would continue to do so if we had more time, but we are out of time. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of PFT live, getting you ready for Thursday night football. Everybody have a great day. See you tomorrow. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.